we're not just curating what we present to people necessarily anymore. There's an even deeper problem of we don't actually know what our identity is. And that is much harder because it's one thing to present a certain version of yourself to the world and yet still know who you are. And it's another thing to not even know who you are. And so this is where I think the concept of friendship with God comes in because it's it's initially in our relationship with Him that we're going to find out who we are. Hi, welcome to Wild and Beautiful. We're Joanna Hyatt and Lauren Enriquez, your co-hosts who every week are helping you live out your faith in a way that's biblically rooted, but culturally relevant. Okay, so this past fall, uh, my kids participated in a speech meet. Did you have those growing up? In my homeschool with me and my siblings? No. Oh, all 17 of you didn't stand up and recite poetry to one another? Hmm. There were only six, okay. <laughs> no, what's a speech meet? Is okay. it like a swim meet? I didn't have it either at the public school, so this is all brand new. And they make you do okay. it as young as first grade. And you have to memorize a portion of literature or the Bible or whatever. And you have to stand up and give it. And so my third grader did well enough that she went to the main stage or something and did it in front of the school. So I get a call at like uh, probably noon that says, hey, your daughter has like top of the class for the third graders. There's 25 third graders. So please don't think it's like a thousand people here. <laughs> hey, She's that's really great. Big She's deal. really great though. She did great. We we're so proud of her. But I get this voicemail. It's like, if you want to come watch her perform it in front of the whole school, it'll probably be happening about two o'clock. Miss the voice memo. Uh, get to school just as I'm, you know, supposed to and pick her up. And she, of course, is just devastated. Like, mom, Aww. you didn't show up. Why weren't you there? I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't get the voicemail. The, the little ones were napping. She's like, everybody else's parents were there. One parent brought flowers. I was like, why, why you got to be like that? Making the rest of us look really bad. Uh-huh. Um, so, so fast forward to, they have this readathon. So the whole month of January, the kids read and then they have an awards thing. I was like, yes, I'm going to redeem myself. There's a there's an award ceremony for the whole school. So I wake up the kids early from their naps. I load them in the car. We show up. I get there, and I realize there's not a single other parent. Oh, no. Which basically just sums up my parenting. Like, the yes. thing I was supposed to be at, I didn't. And the thing I mm-hmm. clearly did not need to go to that somehow everybody yes. else just knew, like, no one needs to go. I showed up. And not only did I show up, but I had two children decked out in princess dresses who proceeded to just run around in front of everybody else. And everyone's like, oh, isn't Snow White cute? Meanwhile, I'm looking around thinking, there are no other parents here. None. Zero. Oh, my Zero gosh. parents. So... Yeah, basically I win. I win on not doing this right. <laughs> I ha- I I really identify with this so much though because I have shown up to two when my kids were in Catholic school. I showed up to two different All Saints Day things to drop my kid off for school like a normal day only to realize all the parents were there watching their kids parade around in saint costumes in which my child was not. <laughs> I was going to say was uh, your kid even in a costume? Nope. nope. Not in the least bit. We just say that he is his future saint self when that happens. I um, like that. And then I didn't know there was a Valentine's party that parents were invited to at their school until I 
realized all the parents were there when I came to pick up my kids. They were all parked and inside the school. And I was like, oh no. So I really identify with this, Joe. I'm glad I'm not the only parent. I just want to know how other parents know. Keep it straight. Which are the things to show up to and which are not the things Mm -hmm. to show up to? And why do some of us get it backwards? I mean, I do try to read my emails. It's not like I'm just completely neglecting the communications, but some of us just don't interpret things very well, I guess. I read all the emails, but clearly don't get the voice memos. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So, but we are now in Louisiana. I'm really glad you've made it out of the frozen tundra of Washington State, the frozen communist tundra, and yeah. come down here to the South where we have king cakes and crawfish and... Lots of stuff that you'll be exposed to. I mean, my children were so bummed to be missing school. And then we did a Mardi Gras parade, kid-friendly version, before you all start <laughs> tagging me, being like, I cannot you believe you exposed your child. You do have to make that caveat. It was a family-friendly Mardi Gras parade. During and the after, day. During the day. <laughs> um, and after that, the kids, were, between that and the king cake, they're like, can we move here? <laughs> oh, how quickly you switch your allegiance. You who were devastated to be leaving your friends are now like, mm, I like this state better. They have cake yep. and they throw things at me during parades. I'm in. And it's not frozen. It's not frozen. Is it, it was 70 degrees today. It was yes. lovely. I'm glad I'm glad that his job brought you down here though, because maybe we'll get to hang out finally in person. Yes. So that's a good segue to what we're talking about today. Friends. We're talking about friends. We're talking about friendship. And here's a fun fact. Enriquez and I have never actually met in person. For all I know, she is a four foot nine small person. Mm-hmm. Maybe she sits on the other side of the screen and I don't know. On a bunch of phone books. On a bunch of phone books. Like <laughs> we've actually never met in person. We have been friends now yeah. for two years. Yeah, We worked together for an entire year. And like good have, friends, like yeah. talk every day friends. Yeah, we text, <laughs> we do various memos. We obviously do a podcast together. We've never met in person. Not everything about the 21st century is bad, I guess. So Technology. we feel very qualified to talk about friendship at this point. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're definitely experts in friendship. And let us tell you all about it in today's episode. <laughs> oh, but it is fun because you do realize you're able to form friendships with people and it it. It looks a little different these days and probably how we all grew up. Um, but that's why we wanted to talk about this because one, people are experiencing friendships in dip- different, richer ways. Uh, but also, there's maybe a big uh, dearth, lack of, void of friendship in a lot of people's lives because of what the digital world has done to it. So, on right. that note, um, did you put this quote, show me your friends and I will tell you your future? Yeah, I couldn't really track down <laughs> Spider-Man? Precise... Was it from Spider-Man? <laughs> we all know my uh, <laughs> track record with attributing quotes to the correct people. We're just going to say, it's a quote that people say, and it seems true. So show me your friends and I will tell you your future. It is true, in, especially if you look back probably on friendships that you've had in different seasons and... Were they good friends? Where they get you? What's it look like? If this is the case for now, like, man, my future is going to be rich and it is going to be good. <laughs> yes. All four of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All four of my friends are top notch. But I mean, it's really quality. You figure out which quantity, of you are the right? four. No. It yes. Is. It's quality. 
You have to have some good quality friends in your life to avoid the isolation that is inherent to being alone. Humans, it says in Genesis, if I'm getting that quote correctly, it's not good for us to be alone. And friendships are one of the forms of relationship that God gave us to avoid that loneliness and isolation. We need to be in community in order to become the fullest that God made us to be as humans. And it's not so, just extroverts that have friends that's right. or make friends easily um, or want friends. And so introverts somehow don't want people in their life or don't need people. You are an introvert. You have friends. That's correct. You have lots of friends, I think, from what I can tell. <laughs> I've been very blessed um, and exposed to great people, case in point, Joanna. Um but, you know, I think that I read or I listened to a lecture series on Audible called The Science of Friendship. Um, and one of the points that the lecturer made was that friendship and the ability to form strong bonds of a healthy friendship is more correlated. It's not correlated with introversion, introversion and extroversion, even though there's kind of the trope that extroverts make friends easily and introverts don't. It's more actually correlated with how much empathy you're able to, um, experience Mm. or, um, you know, express. And that like physiologically is tied to mirror neurons, <laughs> which it was so interesting to learn that there's a correlation then between how many mirror neurons a person has in their brain and how much empathy that they express. When God creates us and in Genesis tells us it's not good for us to be alone, now like thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, we're actually discovering the science of what's going on in your brain that makes it easier or harder for you to attach to people. And isn't that so true in so many areas? The science is catching up to what God <laughs> exactly said thousands of years before. And we're yeah. like, oh, this makes sense. I mean, you see that same kind of brain chemistry happen. Um, in sexual relationships and sexual intimacy that we're like, hmm, there's a there's a neurological component to why we are drawn to someone, why there's an a, almost an addictive component to uh, relationships where you're sexually active and makes sense then why God would yeah. say, hey, don't mess with this. Keep it limited. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he gave us really good parameters for our relationships. And it's something that has been talked about and studied and acknowledged as important for a long time. Um, I actually found an article about Aristotle because I remembered when I took um, ethics in college, we learned a lot about um, what Aristotle said about friendship, but I it was, I have not good retention from the things I learned in college. So I had to go back and look up what did Aristotle say about friendship? So here's a quote, and this is something that has been referred back to like many, many times over the centuries since Aristotle. In poverty, as well as in other misfortunes, people suppose that friends are their only refuge. And in friendship is a help to the young in saving them from error, just as it is also to the old, with a view to the care they require and their diminished capacity for action stemming from their weakness. It is a help also to those in their prime in performing noble actions, for two going together are better able to think and act. So in other words, Aristotle thought friendship is necessary from the womb to the tomb, and we need it, and it helps us in different ways depending on where we are in our life. In other words, friendship keeps you from being dumb when you're young. (laughs) Uh, Friendship keeps you from dying of loneliness when you're old, and friendship helps you 
advance and give meaning to the things you're doing in the prime of your life. I mean, I see that with, well, our friendship is one of them. And there's a lot of friendships I have where it's like what knits us together is, is us encouraging one another in noble causes, parenting, in advocacy work, uh, in, in pursuing our faith, like that, that friendship is what spurs us on to keep going on the days where you feel like, man, this is too hard. This is too overwhelming. But then you get together and you start brainstorming, you start chatting, you realize, okay, no, we can keep going and we're going in the right direction. So let's, let's pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah. So something that Aristotle said that kind of um, piggybacks off of what you were just pointing out, the type of friendship that you were describing is what he would call the a friendship of the good. And that's a friendship where you have um, mutual interaction and you're both kind of willing the good of the other person, which harkens back to that definition of love that we talked about a few episodes back, um, where to love is to will the good of another, regardless of the cost to oneself. We don't just see that in a marriage love. We also see that in our friendships and a friendship of the good, as Aristotle would refer to it. There are other friendships that are not as deep, maybe not as enduring, but they can still be good. And they are, I think they're a reality of all of our lives. And he referred to these as friendships of convenience. And so friendships of convenience fell into two categories for Aristotle. One is a friendship of utility and the other is a friendship of pleasure. A friendship of utility might be like a coworker relationship um, where you're helping each other out at work, but you're not necessarily going to stay friends after you leave that job um, or you don't necessarily hang out outside of the context of work. And then a friendship of pleasure might be like if you're on a college sports team and you have these great intense emotional experiences together, um, but it's not an enduring friendship that's going to go on uh, go on forever past college. But then you have these friendships that are enduring and they can really be an opportunity for both of you. If And there is a baseline level of virtue required in these good friendships. You actually have to have a capacity for empathy and you have to be striving to be a good person or as we might say, a holy person. And in these friendships, you can mutually encourage each other, kind of like St. Paul. I'm not even going to try to say which book or letter that St. Paul said this in, but he talks about running the race. And in a a friendship of the good, you're going to be cheering your friend on to the finish line in their race of holiness and their relationship with God and vice versa. So just being able, I think, to categorize what kind of friendship that you're in with someone, I think can be helpful because I know in my experience, I might have like a friend at the gym. This might be a friendship of pleasure. And I don't have to look at that friendship and feel guilty that it's not deeper than it is or work too hard to make it into something that it's not. I just need to be a good example to this person, maybe enjoy laughing with them and sharing our workout together. But beyond that, it doesn't need to be more. And then if I recognize that this other friendship is a friendship of the good, I'm going to need to keep my eyes open to when, when is this person suffering? When do I need to come alongside this person? When might I need to fraternally correct this person if I see them straying off the path? Because it, I wouldn't be a good friend in that friendship if I didn't say something. So being able to categorize these, I think this is where Aristotle is helpful and why his teaching on friendship has been so enduring, because it actually is very useful. And that's kind of freeing to realize, oh, every connection I have with people 
does not have to eventually try to become best friend status as though exactly. we have all these things in common. And now, we have, no, it's okay to have varying degrees. But I would say you realize that you do have to be intentional. I mean, in all of those things you've said, there is an intention between when we are pursuing a relationship for deeper connection, um, when we are being okay to realize like, oh no, this is just more of a, hey, we show up at the gym and that's good. Okay, but you still have to talk to them, right? You still have to be friendly. And that's something that maybe in our culture we have lost sight of is this intentionality in friendship and in relationship. Uh, I would say too, if you're married, your spouse is an important relationship, but they are not enough to fulfill all you need in friendship. As they're like, oh, I'm married. I have a husband. I have a wife. I'm good. I don't need friends. That's actually not accurate. <laughs> and I yeah. see that in people where it's like, well, my, my husband will be everything to me. That's too much pressure on your mm-hmm. husband to be everything. <clears throat> you know, as a woman, my female friendships um, add a richness to my life that my husband doesn't bring. He brings a different richness. He brings a, a, a different element but there is a component to my female friendships that is essential to helping me become the best version of the woman that God created me to be as well. I think that as a culture, we have really, though, lost the ability to categorize friendships. And so, you know, you have a generation of young people growing up who have zero understanding of what it looks like to have a close relationship and friendship. That is not that is different than erotic. So like the affection I feel and attraction that, you know, I have for my husband from when we were dating, right. That that grew out of that. There were elements to it that that were a friendship. It wasn't just purely physical in order for it to be a good relationship. And yet what culture is telling, especially this up and coming generation, if you feel a deep connection with somebody, it is sexual, it Mm -hmm. is erotic. Um, And if they are the same sex as you, then you must be uh, same-sex attracted, or you might be um, in in the wrong body. But there's no way that you can have friendships with somebody and not have it be sexual. You know, I, I grew up having lots of friendships with guys. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a time where there were tomboys. There were girls who, yeah, that wasn't a negative. It was just they were maybe more sporty. There are no tomboys anymore. There, mm-hmm. there is no uh, just good friendship with people of the same gender, different gender, Everything has been sexualized and eroticized. And and sadly, you see them even placing that on scripture, where they would say a friendship like what David and Jonathan had, oh, that must be a sexual friendship, an erotic friendship. Or hmm, Jesus. Jesus was good friends with John. That must have been sexual. Jesus uh, was friends with women. That must have been sexual. Mm -hmm. And so we've completely gotten rid of these different categories that Lewis puts out. And it's not sowing more clarity. It's actually breeding confusion because we have no place to put these different friendships and everything now happens online. So between friendships that are superficial, loose, and kind of lurking, like you're just Mm -hmm. creeping on people when you're online, (laughs) to everything being eroticized, Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of people that, that are at a loss of how to intentionally pursue healthy relationships. So we're not even recognizing what are the seeds of a good friendship because we've we've lost an understanding of how to categorize these friendships, how to pursue healthy friendships in varying degrees. 
And, and I think that's sad, uh, you, you know, that people don't know how to say, this has potential, I'm going to pursue it. But it doesn't, you know, where's it going to go? It's going to be a, a deep friendship. Um, yeah. It's not going to be a sexual erotic friendship. Oh, this is, like you said, this is just a lighter friendship. I love that C.S. Lewis quote where he says, uh, let me find it. Friendship is born that at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. And <laughs> yes. how true is that? Yes. I, I just, I thought that is both whimsical and so profound. Yes. In helping us identify what does friendship actually look like and where do we see the seeds of potentially really deep, um, life-giving, sanctifying relationships that can also be God-honoring. Yeah. Yeah, I love that quote too. And it reminds me of how vulnerable it can be to create those real or to, to embark or attempt to embark on one of those real friendships of the good. Because um, I think it's easier to, especially this might be an introvert extrovert thing. I think it's probably relatively easy for most people to form those friendships of utility or convenience or pleasure, where this is just a person that I interact with on a daily basis, but there's not much deeper there. But by virtue of the fact that there is something deeper in those other relationships, you really have to kind of put yourself out there and take a risk, the risk of being rejected. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the quotes in that lecture series, I mentioned the science of friendship by Kyler Shumway. (laughs) It's free on Audible. I just stumbled (laughs) upon it when I Googled friendship or in preparation for this episode. But he said, being lonely hurts, but it hurts Mm -hmm. more to be rejected. And I thought, how true is that? We have this like epidemic of isolation and loneliness right now in a world where it's never been easier to connect with someone digitally. But as you just so, so eloquently pointed out, we don't actually know how to connect well necessarily um, and, and in a healthy way. And we're connecting in ways that are confusing us because this is a whole other episode, but humans have been reduced to material, just balls of meat floating around in the ether. And so what is it all for? But when you put yourself out there, you risk rejection. And after a number of rejections, I think there's a lot of people in the world who say, I would rather be alone than to feel the pain Mm -hmm. of being rejected. Um, So that's where the empaths of the world... have to recognize those that are hurting around them, I think, and maybe take the initiative in creating some of those bonds with people who have maybe given up trying to form one of these deep, lasting friendships. Well, and the the danger, too, is that you begin to form yourself or only allow a piece of yourself that you think, oh, this is the part that people like, so this will be the only part that people see. And so you deceive yourself into thinking, I have deep friendships. They know me, but you know, no, they don't. They know a piece Mm -hmm. of me. Um, They know just enough of me. They know the part that people seem to like. And so I have connection, I have relationship, but you're not known because when you are known, there is the opportunity for rejection. Yeah. And and with so many friendships almost exclusively functioning online these days, Mm -hmm. I mean, even the terms we use, right? Like, are we friends on Facebook? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean, mm-hmm. do I creep you? On, like, do I follow you on Facebook and not actually know you? Mm-hmm. 
and not engage with you? Do I just see your pictures, get your thoughts, and form an opinion about you and a perception and think I know you? And so because everything is happening digitally, we're just seeing a piece of a person and we're able to just put out a piece of ourselves. And we think we're known. We think we know someone. But in reality, none of it, none of it is true. It's Mm -hmm. not. I could, I could tomorrow create an completely different persona online. I could be a liberal tomorrow online. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Yeah. And you know what, Joe? It'd be I think quite fun. So, I'm sure. <laughs> it would. To some degree, it's people curating their persona. And I think that was more true when Facebook and all these social media sites first came out and we realized like, oh, I can kind of augment who I am, what people see online. There's that country song, I'm so much cooler online that I think a lot of people identified with. But then over time, I think this digital only interaction that was so exacerbated by all the COVID lockdowns. Thank God I did not live in a state where people were not allowed to see each other, but people all over the world were confined to their homes and in many cases were absolutely alone, not even with a partner or a child or in some cases a pet, Um, but they were alone. And I think not, we're not just curating what we present to people necessarily anymore. There's an even deeper problem of we don't actually know what our identity is. Mm. And that is much harder because it's one thing to present a certain version of yourself to the world and yet still know who you are. And it's another thing to not even know who you are. And so this is where I think the concept of friendship with God comes in because it's it's initially in our relationship with him that we're going to find out who we are. And my prayer is always Lord, let me see myself like you see me and let me see others the way that you see them because it's his perspective, not what we're being shown through a filter on social media Mm -hmm. or what we're confused about ourselves, about our own identity or what we're presenting to the world, but it's his perspective that we really want to wrap our heads around and interact with in our human relationships. That was beautiful. Aw, thanks. That was so good. Yes, because you cannot love people well until you, I mean, it's like until you love yourself. No, until you see how God loves you yes. so that you can then turn around and love people um, and not not become bitter, not become closed off, still be wise. Good friendship starts with a friendship with God. That's mm-hmm. so, so true. There's a catechism so quote about this. <laughs> Written Sorry, by John Paul II? Done. I don't think so. I don't know, actually. <laughs> it says, The first man was not only created good, but was also established in friendship with his creator and in harmony with himself and with the creation around him in a state that would be surpassed only by the glory of the new creation in Christ. So not only did we have Eden and this incredible relationship with the creator, but then he sent his son as a human, and that human actually had friends that you can go read about their friendships in the gospel. Like, what? <laughs> I know. Gives and he hope. had good friendships in that he called them out sometimes, mm-hmm. and they could speak frankly to him. They, he, you know, he would, he would teach them. He was patient with them. And he also just did life with them. And that's so much of friendship, too, is that it's just journeying together in the seemingly mundane parts of our life 
mm-hmm. uh, that form a really rich fabric. You know, my close friendships, you and me, like, it's not like we've gone off and done some fabulous vacation together mm-hmm. or, or have wild, crazy stories. You know, how many of our conversations are about the everyday things in our life? They're about parenting. They're mm-hmm. about what's happening in the news. Uh, they're about all the ways that we are failing forward in the day and just the small things that really add up to mean so much. And if you can't have those conversations, I think mm-hmm. of my, my early years in Los Angeles, out of college, like you hang out with people, you go out, you know, at night, you go out to these clubs, sounds like I was either way cooler or way older, uh, <laughs> but you go out and it's it's nuts, but there's no friendship there. Yeah, that's that's it's 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 the mundane like, hey, how's it going with your parenting? Here's a video of my kid. What happened at school today? Kind of stuff mm-hmm. that forms really deep bonds, and you see that in the New Testament with with Jesus walking with his disciples day in and day out for three years. They're complaining about being hungry. They're arguing about who's going to be on his right or his left, you know, <laughs> they've got children, they've got squabbling, like all this stuff. They've got sick mother-in-laws and they've got, and that's just life. Mm-hmm. That That is just the life that they lived and the friendships they formed that would form the basis for them giving their whole life. Yeah. And the establishment of Christendom. Um, one thing I love about yeah. my friendship with Joanna is that I, I can text her. I am very self-deprecating and use humor to like get through difficult em- emotions. And she totally understands me. If I text her <laughs> a- an anecdote about the day in a really cynical tone, she understands when it's an SOS <laughs> and a cry for help. And she'll respond with just the right meme. It's never like a, hey, s- <laughs> hey sister, we're in this together. You got this. No, because that's not how I operate. And that's not how she operates. She will respond no. with the spiciest meme or she'll make fun of me. And I feel seen. I don't feel alone. And it seems like such a small thing, but it isn't. It's not a small thing because isolation is real. And having friends that mm-hmm. see you for who you are it's priceless, not to be cliche, but it's priceless. <laughs> and can speak your language of love. Yes. Because some people would look at that and be like, wow, Joanna has no empathy, which you would also be. Accurate. Oh, yeah. But my empathy comes out in, in just uh, uh, inappropriate jokes and mm-hmm. moments of awkwardness. <laughs> yeah, I think people would be really scandalized, n- not like sexually scandalized, but they would be scandalized and like this very confused. <laughs> They'd be very confused if they read our text conversations, but we know what we're talking about. We do. We do. And let me tell you, folks, if you need someone to laugh with you, you call me. A dear mm-hmm. friend of mine, she um, lost her husband a year ago, and we went out around the time of the one-year anniversary. And for two hours, I feel like I had her cracking up. And I Aww. left that thinking, I don't think tonight she needed somebody to sit and like cry with her. She needed somebody who she could laugh with. And so mm-hmm. to all of you who think you're too much, which I have to fight that lie <laughs> every day, um, know that like there, there are elements to who you are that you think is too much, and it's exactly what's actually needed in friendship and mm-hmm. in, in the relationships around you. Uh, and God wired you in these different ways in order to bless the people around you. 
And you may have to be a little bit more intentional about seeking out or about paying attention uh, when people are saying, I want to be your friend. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but like I'm in my mid thirties and it's still uncomfortable for me when I have to meet new women. I'm like, oh gosh, this is the worst. <laughs> Groups of women stress me out, oh, yeah. right? You know, I'm like getting ready for Bible study. And I said, Andrew, just write shoes. He's like, it doesn't matter. You're going to Bible study. I said, clearly you have never gone to a Bible study of women. <laughs> they will notice my shoes. He just looked at me like, okay, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But there's something so stressful mm-hmm. when we meet new people. But if we can remember that everybody's a little nervous and everybody's a little on edge, it's like, are you yes. going to like me? Are you going to see me yeah. and 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 want to accept me and yes. realize that like God made me this way and I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but like mm-hmm. this is me. Mm-hmm. And not to reference that greatest showman song, this is me. But <laughs> this is me. And 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 no, you know, ask God, God, how do you see me? Why did you make me this way? Okay, help me understand that so that I can mm-hmm. love people in my life. Yes. In my unique way of loving people and be okay with that. Growing in empathy, of course, um, but realizing some of us, our empathy comes through with memes. Love it. So in this episode, episode to summarize, we have learned that Joanna Hyatt's spiritual gift is not homeschooling, <laughs> but it is making people laugh after their husbands die. So there you go. Oh, man. Oh, man. That just <laughs> makes me sound like the worst. <laughs> no, it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> you call me. You call me. Um, so in these last few minutes, I do want to redeem myself. Uh, and, and in case you guys can't tell, actually, Joanna's getting over like a really nasty cold. <laughs> so she's really being so a trooper. Here. If my voice sounds particularly sexy, now you know why. <laughs> it's funny, though, you say that because it makes me think of Job, right? Like we read the book of Job. And we're like, man, he did not have good friends. And it says, like, Job's friends <laughs> showed true. up, and they sat yes. with him. And then we all read it, and we're like, and Job's friends were the worst. Yeah, But you're not much. quite sure that they're the worst. You're kind of like, maybe they're not. I mean, they're saying the true thing. And, and then you have God that shows up, and he's like, I'm going to blast your friends. Unless yes. you pray for them. And so <laughs> it says, after Job prayed for his friends. And so just know that, like, sometimes friends are going to miss the mark. Friends, friends may be well-meaning, uh, and I, I can say this doing it a lot, uh, and sometimes I realize it and I have to go back and apologize what I intended to be lighthearted or I intended to be loving. It wasn't. didn't come across mm-hmm. that way. And sometimes friends don't realize they've missed the mark. And in loving them and caring about the friendship, we approach them and we say, hey, mm-hmm. that didn't work. And I, it's Friendships, friendships, fine. We're gonna move forward. But I just want you to know, like, because I'm helping you grow, and um, you know, I'm probably making sure that God doesn't give you leprosy based on how you treated me in that moment, <laughs> like Job's friends. Uh, but just realize that, like, we're not gonna hit it a hundred percent of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But friendship is is not shying away from those uncomfortable moments too. It's loving the other person enough to gently reflect back to them. Uh, that correction because there is there is love. So when I, you know, go to Lauren and I'm like, what about this? And she's like, no, don't say that. <laughs> okay, thank you. I will not. Right. That that is a a friendship that makes me better because there is some correction and vulnerability mm-hmm. and we're growing. So do you want to give as we end with this, like what is the what are a couple of things that would be the difference between a friend missing the mark and somebody who's not a friend? 
who is not that virtuous person, um, helping us grow towards mm. a better version. Some of that we have to say like, no, that, that actually needs to be cut out versus I just need to talk to them about maybe that that misstep or this piece of their personality that that is hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I know I know there there's good good there. Yes, some friendship red red flags I would look out for are if your communication is closed or strained, like you don't feel like you can be yourself fully around this person or you're you're creating a version of yourself for them that's not really you, I think that would be a red flag. Um, the biggest red flag is if you are an occasion of sin to them or they're an occasion of sin to you or both. And that occasion of sin is a Catholic term that we use just to say, this is somebody that when you're together, you don't do good things. So this might be a person that um, maybe you get together and you drink too much and then things go haywire. You all, maybe this friendship is centered around gossip. I think that's the one a lot mm. of us need to be aware of because gossip can also be easily couched as like calling to tell your friend about your other friend who needs prayers. And I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> and then things Let's can talk go about how we're going to pray for them. <laughs> yeah. Now, gossip is something that's probably going to show up in most female friendships. And this is a good place where we can help each other to like become better and change the topic of conversation or say like, you know, let's pray for this person and move on, whatever. But if the whole friendship is based around gossip or drinking or some bad vice, just not, this is not really a friendship where you can mutually help each other on the road to holiness. Um, and then I would say, um, if you're, Entering into a friendship because you're viewing a person as like a stepping stone to another thing that you want. Like maybe you want to be friends with somebody because they work at a company that you want to get hired at, or somehow there's a connection that you're trying to make. Just examine your motives and say, you know, am I am I actually trying to be friends with this person for good reasons? Like what we have. We're just gonna this is basically an episode of us gushing about our friendship that is rooted in the <laughs> digital world. So cool. It can work. Um, you know, it's encouraging one another. It does. It can work, folks. Mm-hmm. It's encouraging one another. It's it's wanting to spur each other on to be to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, some of my dearest friendships that a lot of them reside in the phone, phone calls, voice memos, texts, uh, Vox or whatever. They're women that spur me on. I want to be more like them in different ways. I want to be more empathetic. Uh, I want to be more patient. I want to be more uh clear-eyed and and focused in my thing whatever it is like these are women that inspire me to want to grow um and it makes such a difference when you have someone that you can sync up with and be growing while watching closely versus mm-hmm. from a distance yes 100% so on that note since all of you are all are our friends mm-hmm. please like us <laughs> Please, please endorse us. See how please that went like real superficial. <laughs> we just told you about deep friendships. Man, I sound like Sally. What's her face? You like me. You really like me. Uh, no, please, please make sure that you rate this. It's really easy. You just hit the star, the fifth one, the five star. And if you're on Spotify, if you're not on Spotify, go over to Spotify. We need some more reviews on Spotify. And and leave just a, a quick review to let people know, like, this is a podcast uh, where you are going to be loved and encouraged, um, and you're going to meet two people that are uh, slightly crazy, Crazy. uh, but they could become your friends, your digital friends. So we want to hear from you. 
we love the support that we've received so far. And of course, always, please feel free to write us at wildandbeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>